0: Hey there friends family foes lurkers this is your host daniel minnick along with my sweet and beautiful co-host chelsea and we're going to talk a little bit about palm sunday coming up part of the easter season here and the interesting events in the bible leading up to that crucifixion of jesus christ and how did we get there and why that's so significant, but it's interesting how in the span of a week, things changed very quickly. So we're going to talk about the triumphal entry of Jesus and how we celebrate that as Palm Sunday. Ready to talk about some Palm Sunday stuff, sweetheart? Yes, that sounds good. (laughs) And <laughs> now, before we get into that, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the things that happened today, today being Saturday, as of this recording, you're listening to this episode at least on Monday when it goes live or later, but we are recording this Saturday evening and we had quite the day today, <laughs> didn't we sweetheart? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, starting from early in the morning when we woke up, and so, you told me this morning, but I didn't realize it, you know, that you had a cold shower the previous night, and this morning I noticed that the water was not warming up, and so I figured, okay, maybe for some reason, you know, we have a family of six, so somehow, maybe someone used up all the hot water, the kids maybe showered, or we ran the dishwasher, or something, but but I figured, okay, I guess it's time to take a cold shower every once in a while. So, yeah, took a cold shower. And then I mentioned to you, sweetheart, that the water was cold. And you told me, well, it was cold last night. So then we're wondering, uh-oh, something going on with our water heater. And then you went downstairs to check on it, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, and when I opened the closet door where the water heater is, I saw a huge fountain of water shooting out.
0: (laughs) So there was a technical explanation for why we weren't getting hot water. (laughs) And it wasn't because it was all used up. It was because, yeah, the hot water heater wasn't functioning correctly there to give us hot water in the first place. And yeah. (laughs) Yes. Mm.
1: Thankfully we caught it soon enough So all that yeah. <laughs> water did not go out all over the carpet yeah. Or yeah. get things nearby
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like better than having a flooded basement there <laughs> yes. Aches, yeah so and then, we're trying to yeah. figure out like
1: how to quickly get water shut off is <laughs> <laughs> to stop it from pouring out. So I was on the phone with my dad trying to figure out what to shut off and stuff. And mm,
0: yeah. But what was also going on at that time <laughs> we're kind of juggling this along with something else. But <laughs> yes.
1: So I think actually before we found out about the cold shower and stuff, I had received a phone call with my clinic for a young lady that wanted to come in and have a pregnancy test done. And I could tell by her voice on the phone that she sounded pretty young and kind of scared. And so we set up for her to just come by at her earliest convenience and it sounded like it was going to be pretty soon. And then, yes, in the middle of discovering our fountain of water heater, water coming out, and trying to figure that out. Then the client showed up right then, Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of like, all right, here you handle the water heater and let me go meet <laughs> with this client.
0: And- yeah. And I'm like trying to deal with the uh, our girls or kind of cranky there the boy older boys were trying to deal with them and then so i'm trying to scoop some water there you know drain it out there while that's happening and then while the young lady was at our house there and and, we know this you know both of these are important you know because you have a young lady here who wants a pregnancy test you know because she's concerned and her grandma who kind of takes care of her was concerned that if she is pregnant you know Oh, she's too young for this and there's that kind of situation so we want to make sure we prevent if she's concerned about it talk her out of the options <laughs> for terminating the pregnancy also known as abortion so you did Good there, sweetheart, telling her, you know, that she's brave and for doing this. And, yeah, so we're hoping that this will all go well and that she will continue to uh, decide to keep her baby, even though she's, you know, she's kind of young there and that she won't cave into pressure from family not to keep the baby.
1: Yes, so that was... Definitely an interesting way to start our Saturday morning.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like that was unexpected, you know, an unexpected kind of emergency call there for a walk-in client, plus unexpected, um, you know, leaking water heater happening at the same time. But yeah, (laughs) so yeah, praise God. He got us through that, helped us with that, and is definitely worth juggling the water heater so you can help a young lady out there, sweetheart.
1: (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the silver lining. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And then today there was a rally at the Colorado State Capitol hosted by End Abortion Now, the ministry of Jeff Durbin from Apologia Church. Uh, We were planning to go to that, but, you know, water heater, you know, can be more important having a house intact, you know, and stuff like that. So we forfeited that to replace the water heater, which was, I mean, it was a blessing, you know, because first we called a plumber to schedule an emergency appointment to have a plumber come over. And then, you know, you found out that your parents were in the area, even though they live several hours away, they just happened to be closer by for an appointment downtown and so then they decide to head over and your dad is good with uh electrical and some construction some plumbing stuff and so you know then it's like oh okay you know he's he's coming by he's gonna help he's gonna look at this and see what needs to be done and so then you know called the plumber and said uh can we cancel this you know that was nice your dad was able to come over we went and bought a new water heater and he installed that and that saved us a lot of money on that too and yeah so now we now we have water again we have hot water again and no leak so praise god for that And <laughs> yeah <Yay. laughs> Yeah. so yeah we were planning you know so we what pl-
1: was the rally going to be about
0: <laughs> yeah so the rally that we were planning to go to but um didn't go to it because uh an unexpected water heater issue there that took the afternoon stuff but At 2 o'clock, the rally there, hosted by End Abortion Now, was um, protesting the Colorado bill, HB 221279, that we were talking about the last few episodes here. (laughs) But yeah, the rally was to protest abortion and... Also to declare that, you know, we don't have to depend, I think, you know, we don't have to depend on overturning Roe versus Wade to end abortion in any given state. Because really, a federal court ruling is not law, (laughs) though people will try to tell you it's the law of the land. A court ruling is not law, and it's not something that technically, you know, a police can arrest you if you... (laughs) violate the statement from a judge in a federal ruling uh, dealing with the plaintiff and a defendant there you know it's just a precedent it's just case law it's not actual statute and but yeah there are protests against abortion there in colorado and they talk about ways that we could end abortion now that's what the ministry is all about ways to help people to understand the issue and how we're not waiting on over turning Roe versus Wade, that we could technically, by statute, and by, of course, focusing on the knowledge of what God says in his word, you know, the real legal precedent there demands that we can and we should end abortion immediately, and end abortion now, their ministry, they also uh, go to abortion clinics, they do sidewalk counseling, they also will talk people out of getting abortions, They'll, they'll rescue babies there too and stuff. So yeah, it's a pretty good ministry. I recommend that you check out End Abortion Now at endabortionnow.com and check out Jeff Durbin's ministry there and from Apologia Church and (laughs) yeah.
1: So, on the topic of doing sidewalk counseling and going to abortion clinics, recently in the news this week, there's been a lot of coverage about Washington, D.C. and a clinic there where a pro-life activist um is being investigated because there's not a lot of good information out there, kind of hard to sift through, but as much as we know, there were five late term deceased babies found at this pro-life activist house and from some of the stories that I saw early on was that a worker at that planned or at the abortion clinic, I'm not sure if it was planned parenthood but at the abortion clinic, saw these babies and handed it to the pro-life person to take home and call the police and get an investigation started. And so there's just been a lot of question to know, like, OK, why were these babies in the possession of a pro-life activists like that? Um I mean, this is kind of a common thing that (laughs) people will either see them in a dumpster right outside the clinic and they'll pull them out or if the worker did hand them off. Like, we're not sure on those details exactly, but they released pictures of these 28 to 32 week babies. And most of them were, Mm. like, intact and healthy.
0: Definitely viable, according to law and science there. (laughs)
1: Um, And, I mean, the concern is that they were delivered live. They could have been sustained to live. And they were probably used to harvest organs or different things like that. And. So far, Washington, D.C. said they're not going to press charges against the clinic and that they were perfectly in their realm to do that. And it's just sickening to see how evil Mm -hmm. and how people just don't even care that those are human Mm -hmm. beings. Mm -hmm. Little, tiny, not even that little, like babies that could have lived. Mm -hmm. Ugh. it's just so heartbreaking but with that it brings us back to the Colorado health bill that this health bill is saying that it's okay for Colorado to act just like this and there won't be any criminal charges against doctors who actually deliver babies alive harvest organs and in the process just kill them or leave them to eventually die Mm. not being treated or helped at all yeah so very just, barbaric.
0: Yeah, because I remember you had me read that one story, and it was, like, just gut-wrenching to hear about closing the doors in the clinic and leaving a baby to cry itself to death. Like, like yeah. And that's, yeah, more of that coming to Colorado. It's just, you know... <laughs> What a day we live in, but, you know, as with the topic we're going to get into, we know that, (laughs) you know, Jesus lives, he's coming again, and he will, you know, he will put an end to this nonsense. (laughs) So, (laughs) ready to talk about Palm Sunday, sweetheart.
1: Yeah, it's Palm Sunday is a little more exciting, I think, <laughs> than some of those more depressing stories we were just talking about.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of like when you read the account of the triumphal entry, then it's almost like, okay, you know, kind of like the end of a, a vi- the victorious end of a movie. Like, you almost like, you know, if you're just thinking humanistically, you're thinking in the flesh, you want to just say, okay, that's a good place to end the story, you know, and they all lived happily ever after, you know, the king came in, he rode triumphantly, you know, the people said, Hosanna, and hey, that's the end, you know, (laughs) but, you know, we know what happens uh, when you read, just, yeah, it's amazing how things transition from that to crucifixion within a week, but yeah.
1: So I have a question for you.
0: Okay, I'll see. <laughs> oh, one of those spontaneous questions, and yes. yeah. So let's see if I can answer this <laughs>
1: spontaneous questions your wife
0: likes to <laughs> ask.
1: <laughs> um, so this account is in all four Gospels.
0: Oh yeah, I was I have that in my notes. I was going to say oh. all all four Gospels give an account of the triumphal entry.
1: Do you think it is important for Christians to read all four accounts? Like, are there differences in some of the recollections or the writings in the Gospels there?
0: Mm, Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to read all four Gospels to see, you know, and look for how things are worded differently, but to see the harmony of the Gospels and to see the different perspectives of the writers, how like the angle that they provide, you know, when you read all four, you get kind of a bigger picture of all the details of things, you know, for instance, reading all four Gospels, you see that there were two times where Jesus cleansed the temple, you know. It's like the, I think the synoptic Gospels only mention this later one, but the Gospel of John actually mentions the two, you know, the beginning and the end of his earthly ministry there. And so... All four Gospels also, as part of this account, mention Jesus riding the donkey into, you know, Jerusalem. But the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, give us the details about how Jesus sent two of his disciples. And, you know, I was researching this, like, l- looking at the all four Gospel accounts. Like, do any of them mention... Which two these are, but it doesn't seem that, you know, unless I overlooked it, it just says he sent two disciples and it never mentions which two, you know, but... I guess that's not an important detail of it. He sent two of his disciples to find a colt tied, to loosen it, and to tell the owner that the Lord has need of it. You know, and it's strangely interesting how Jesus knew that the owner would understand. You know, and go along with the plan. Like, you know, it's kind of interesting that he tells two disciples, "Just go. You'll find a donkey tied." So Jesus knows that there's a donkey tied somewhere in this village here. Is this part of his divine nature here to know this? Did he happen to walk to that village, see you, and say, Okay, I remember there's a donkey tied, but whatever the case, he tells his disciples there's a donkey tied, and he tells them, Start loosing the donkey. (laughs) And then it happens to be that the owner's going to see them untying the owner's donkey, and then the owner asks, What are you doing? Why are you loosing my donkey? And then the disciples will say, the Lord has need of him, and somehow the you know owner is just going to say, "Okay, take him." You you said the Lord has need of him, so take him. You know, I think that's really interesting for this account that the Synoptic Gospels mention that, like, okay, how did Jesus know this? But it works out to fulfill the prophecy here.
1: <laughs> I think it was kind of neat too. I was reading that it was a colt, so it was mm. a younger yeah young donkey donkey, and it was still by its mother. Mm. And (laughs) Jesus specifically wanted the younger one because that would actually indicate more humility in his riding that because it's not a (laughs) broken in more mature type of donkey and stuff too. So it was just interesting that okay there were even two donkeys he could have chose from (laughs) and he chose the lesser of the two. And like proclaiming more humility in that, it seems
0: <laughs> Yeah. It's like okay, the mother giving birth to that little baby donkey has no idea that this donkey's gonna become world famous. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, Matthew and John of the four gospels mention that this event fulfills Zechariah nine nine Matthew, in particular, combines the quote from zechariah nine nine with isaiah sixty two eleven which makes for a good quote because both of them kind of mentioned the salvation of Messiah coming. So I can read those two verses and we can see how well they go together from two different prophets there. You know, Isaiah earlier before the captivity, Zechariah later on. But Isaiah 62, 11 says, Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world, say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. And then Zechariah 9.9, 9, which is uh, specifically fulfilled, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, or a donkey, and upon a colt, the fowl of an ass. So, yeah, here we go. These verses seem to go well together, and Matthew kind of conflates the two to- verses together as if it's one quote, saying it's fulfilled. So, they both talk about salvation coming, and Zechariah mentions the king comes and brings salvation with him, and he's lowly and riding on a young donkey, and so that's why Jesus says, take the young donkey, loose it, the Lord has need of him. John just mentions that Jesus found the young donkey and sat on it and rode it, but... <laughs> So I'm
1: thinking maybe we could mention <laughs> where these accounts can be found Okay. in case anyone wants to yeah. look it up too. <laughs> Yeah,
0: if you want to do your homework after listening to this episode <laughs> and look up these passages.
1: Yeah, so Matthew chapter 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12. <laughs> so those are where you can find the account of Palm Sunday.
0: Yeah, and read all those and see how they fit together, what they all mention, and how John can be a little different at times, but yeah, they all mention him riding the donkey into Jerusalem, and they all mention next the palm, you know, why we call it Palm Sunday, (laughs) They mention the palm branches. (laughs) And so, yeah, so you have the people there in Jerusalem took palm branches and they spread them out into the path where Jesus was going to ride, the road into Jerusalem. And they also put clothes, coats or whatever, in or on the sides of the path. And so there you have Jesus lowly, meek, lowly, but being the king, Riding and ha- being celebrated and the people saying Hosanna, the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahweh and yeah I was looking even three of the four Gospels, I think it's Matthew, Mark and John mention the word Hosanna but Luke doesn't <laughs> but it's interesting you know, it's kind of like the sign above the cross where they all give different words there but you could put them together to get the whole message but yeah, it's pretty interesting there
1: So palm branches are kind of a unique (laughs) thing to use. Oh, yeah. Do you have any insight as to maybe the significance into what palm branches represent?
0: Hmm. I think the palm branches, they kind of represent victory, joy, prosperity. And yeah, then you have something about there's the Feast of Tabernacles. People would take palm branches to represent Yeah, because the Feast of Tabernacles would be where the annual feasts where people would come to Jerusalem and bring their tithes and stuff to celebrate the prosperity that God has given them in the harvest. And so the palm branches there, they would take palm branches and celebrate the joy and victory there. But this was Passover, not the Feast of Tabernacles and Jesus riding in, but palm branches were not limited, you know, to the Feast of Tabernacles, but it kind of reflects the same sentiment there of celebrating God's blessing. And so God's blessing Israel with her Messiah
1: Yes, I was reading, too, that palm branches are a symbol of strength oh, yeah. and beauty hmm. because that area of Jerusalem, it was hard to grow hmm. very much, but the palm trees grew very well. Yeah. So it's kind of showing something that would flourish in this more deserty type of area. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool too that there's just that strength that demonstrates who God is and the beauty of what He portrays in His Son. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good thoughts there, sweetheart. How about the palm branches and how it's like, yeah, the palm branches were one of the few things that grew and flourished there. So, showing palm branches there, waving them, or putting them in the path there would represent the strength that God gives, you know, even in the midst of (laughs) like in Israel's history, you know, the psalmist would talk about the encouragement and strength of God. He's their strength even in the midst of the oppression of their enemies and so here israel you know is being ruled by rome so there's a lot of politics there about when is messiah going to come has he come is this the messiah is this the one who will deliver us and so the people shouting hosanna the son of david the king because there's the prophecy that a son of david's going to sit on the throne forever Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So the people waving the palm branches or dropping them in the path and shouting Hosanna they're declaring that this one who's riding lowly on the donkey there into Jerusalem is the Messiah at the time you know they're actually declaring it because there were some people who would recognize he's Messiah and there would be even times that Jesus would heal someone and he'd say tell no one who I am but it's not my hour yet you know Jesus would say to like Mary or disciples it's not the hour yet but this was the hour where Jesus was going to ride in declaring who he was and at least one of the gospel accounts i remember reading where the pharisees would be you know because of the all the commotion there you know it's creating quite a ruckus there and the pharisees were not happy because you know a lot of them were comfortable with their position that the romans allowed them to have and so it's like we don't want the people to declare that their king has arrived you know so they tell jesus can you please tell these people to shut up and jesus said if If they don't cry out, the very rocks would cry out. (laughs) And so now this was the hour to declare who he was. (laughs) Mm. So, yeah, I think it would have been cool to be there to see this.
1: Looking for strategies that will help you engage in meaningful conversations with members of the Mormon Church? Well, if so, take a look at Sharing the Good News with Mormons, a new book produced by Harvest House Publishers and edited by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. Sharing the Good News with Mormons includes 24 helpful essays from two dozen Christian apologists, scholars, and pastors. Pick up your copy at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore or order directly from mrm.org. I was reading some commentary on this account as well, that part of the crowds that gathered during this time too, is because Jesus had recently raised Lazarus from the dead. And that was a huge deal because Lazarus was dead for four days and no one had been dead that long and then come back to life. And so a lot of people were just curious, like, okay, I want to come see this person that could raise someone from the dead four days later. And so it was just showing how there was just a lot of curiosity too about who this Jesus is, and they mm. want to come and see. Like, okay, is he going to do more miracles, or what's yeah. going on? So yeah. it was probably a really oh, yeah. good sized crowd.
0: With yeah, that. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: everyone close by for the Passover.
0: Yeah, people gathered in there for the Passover, so you had a lot of people there. <laughs> yeah. so like raising lazarus from the dead not long here before passover was kind of like jesus is the culmination of jesus's miracles here like i know he had raised jairus's daughter from the dead but with lazarus who was in the grave four days you know behold he stinketh you know (laughs) and it's like okay you know this was an undeniable miracle you know like he was already in the tomb for four days and Jesus raised him and that created quite a ruckus and um you can't discount any of this um who does this <laughs> you know who of any prophet before has ever done this like if you're going to deny that this is the messiah now who would be the messiah <laughs>
1: (laughs) So I thought it was kind of interesting thinking about the timeline of events here too Mm -hmm. with Lazarus kind of being his last like (laughs) kind of proclamation (laughs) miracle of saying, okay, look, I am the son of God. But then his actual last miracle that he does before he dies Mm. is when he heals that soldier's ear and it's like (laughs) kind of secret like. Yeah. here let me heal your ear <laughs> yeah. i just think it's cool to see his heart for yeah. people like he doesn't want to see people hurting and so even though <laughs> he's like okay i know they're here to take me away i am walking this path towards my own death he's still going <laughs> to take that time and help someone who's in need right there i don't know. i just yeah. like that
0: And it's amazing reading some of these accounts like, okay, he picks up the ear, puts it on Malchus and heals it. And imagine like Malchus just like wide eyed, but then the soldiers just like, okay, you know, they regain their composure. Okay, we just witnessed an amazing miracle. No one does this, but just okay we came here to take him let's continue to arrest him you know like you're still going to arrest him after that but yeah it's pretty amazing to think about things like this and yeah and even with the Lazarus thing it adds the meaning (laughs) when you read the account of Lazarus there where Mary and Martha are upset and about Jesus they tell him that Lazarus is sick your friend is sick our brother is sick and Jesus stays there longer and it's almost like you want to say Jesus What are you thinking? You have the power. Go heal him. That's what they're thinking. And then because he stays longer and doesn't go visit him, then they get the report. Lazarus is dead, you know, so he goes there to see him. And we also have Jesus wept there, you know, seeing the people weeping and Jesus with emotions there weeps too. But yeah, yeah, like it adds so much meaning to the account to realize like, why did he do this? Why did he let his dear friend Lazarus? die so that he can perform this amazing miracle to raise him from the dead and that was probably part of bringing in the people for the triumphal entry to fulfill scripture and yeah (laughs) and then what follows the triumphal entry because Jesus was pretty busy that day, you know, like he didn't just enter and say, okay, bring me my throne, you know, Jesus got to work. So, after Jesus entered Jerusalem, he got to work in the temple, casting out the money changers and those who were profiting by selling animals for the sacrifices. So, this certainly didn't win him any brownie points of the people there, but, you know, it's like, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, you know, the son of David, yay, the king has finally come to deliver us, and what are they expecting him? They're probably expecting him to sit on the throne and announce, all right, Caesar, your days are numbered here. It's time to surrender, you know, a new king is here, but <laughs> what does Jesus do? The first thing he does when he enters Jerusalem is going to the temple and start (laughs) tipping over tables, getting whips out, and whipping his fellow people there who are changing money, you know, making a profit off of the currency exchange and making profits off of selling animals for sacrifices because that wasn't the purpose of the law to set up how to get people to give sacrifices. It wasn't for them to make profits off of it. It was to get people the animals they need for sacrifice. Is at the fair exchange in the law not to be profiteers there. And he says, My house is a house of prayer, but you made it a den of thieves. You know, that doesn't win Jesus any favor there. And that's kind of the start of things going downhill that week. <laughs> you know, but according to intention, according to fulfillment, but yeah. Jesus didn't say bring me my throne he says bring me a whip it's time to get to business here (laughs) yeah and then John mentions in the gospel of John that Jesus wept over Jerusalem there's the O Jerusalem thou that killest the prophets and those who are sent unto thee how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing you know So, Jesus goes in there, there's this, what we call the triumphal entry, but he expresses his anger in the temple, he expresses his sorrow over the city, because he knows, you know, this isn't the time where I sit on the throne, this is the time where, yeah, the people Mm -hmm. who killed the prophets, you know, they're going to kill me too, (laughs) and they're not ready for me to be their king, because they have the wrong idea about this, (laughs) The Gospels also mention that Jesus healed people while he was there. (laughs) But obviously that wasn't enough to tip the scales in his favor with the people.
1: (laughs) I mean, just in general, thinking about how the Palm Sunday is him coming in like humility, not really Hmm. coming to conquer, but he's Hmm. coming to give of himself his life for salvation for everyone (laughs) and just how that entry is just in so contrast to how his second coming (laughs) will be where he is coming as on a white steed like a yeah full-grown horse and he will be coming as king and judge and Hmm. to actually conquer and i just think that it's cool to just see that contrast of who jesus is and he's doing both of these Hmm. out of his abundant love and mercy and grace for us
0: yeah it's like interesting you know because jesus is the second person of the trinity the son of god incarnate (laughs) and we see the father through Jesus we see God through this one manifested on the earth and interesting through Jesus it's like we see all of God's attributes we see God's wrath and anger God's love and mercy and grace you know you see all of that flow through Jesus you know Jesus is the lamb he's the lion he's you know he came first coming was as the, the lamb and his second coming is as the lion of the tribe of judah and he's the conquering king with the sword coming out of his mouth his eyes is a flame of fire and yet he also comes lowly here you know he's like he has it all <laughs> and he fulfills it all and yeah we mentioned lazarus jesus raised lazarus a man who had been dead four days and yet we see that the religious leaders plotted to kill jesus and and Lazarus (laughs) like just to think of how (laughs) twisted how demented these people were that they're gonna like okay he raised someone who was from the dead who was dead for four days like it doesn't get more amazing than this and yet it's like okay how do we shut him up how do we kill this Lazarus (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know rather than going like okay Lazarus can you tell us what was it like to be raised from the dead what happened before that?" It's just like grrr let's kill Lazarus <laughs> again and kill Jesus and yeah it's pretty interesting how people were like willing to kill Jesus after all this and yeah so that also shows as we see today just how crazy the politics are the woke movement—how devoted people are to their political, you know, devotions, their dedications, their movements and stuff—that it it makes people act completely irrationally, and we see that even in Jesus' day. As I mentioned, the religious leaders could see the most amazing things. They see God on earth, you know, the God Man doing things that no one has ever done right before their eyes and all they can think about is don't interfere with my position (laughs) i have it good here you will not You will not change things, you know, because I like the way things are. I like the politics that we have. And people are definitely opposed to the truth, to Jesus's politics, (laughs) to the way Jesus would rule and reign on the earth, you know, and so... If people want Jesus as their king, they need to accept Jesus' law. And yeah, so the Jews at this time, they're almost like cautiously optimistic. Like, if this is the Messiah, yay, he's going to deliver us from Roman bondage, I think will you if you won't i don't want any part of you i don't it doesn't matter how amazing you are they're going to make us uncomfortable you know or or even like okay if you're going to rule and reign don't expect me to change i just you know don't expect me to give up this it <laughs> yeah it shows that you know if you want jesus as your king you must accept jesus's reign over your life He's not the king of your image. You must recognize that he's the God who made you in his image, and you must be willing to serve him as he is. And so, sweetheart, as we've been dealing with the whole Colorado bill, abortion bill, these people who are supporting this garbage that we're talking about with killing babies... They're going to have a day of reckoning when they come face to face with the king of kings and lord of lords. And when Jesus comes to rule and reign, he is not going to set up a planned parenthood. He's going to, you know, like overthrowing the tables in the temple and stuff. You know, we're going to see some (laughs) if planned parenthood is around when he comes, you know, (laughs) he's going to destroy that. (laughs) jesus values life and yeah so praise god <laughs> when jesus comes to rule and reign there will be no more abortion forever <laughs> and yeah so just like jesus's day the stuff we see today are you ready for the triumphal entry of the king of kings when he comes again for his second coming There will be some similarities, but there will be quite a few differences from the second coming triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. And, you know, he's not going to come to die again. He's going to come in victory. (laughs) And those who thought they were ready at the time for his reign... Well, they weren't quite ready and they ended up crucifying him. And I would say that the whole world crucified him. You know, I would say, if I lived at that time, I don't know. Who knows if I would be one of those shouting, nail him. <laughs> like, except for God regenerating my heart. You know, I have no idea where I would be. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like I like to think that I would be on Jesus' side. But who knows if I were in that setting in that situation how i would have been but you know thank god for his salvation and yeah so next week we're going to then talk about Easter Sunday and we'll talk about how things changed from this triumphal entry into people uh, being willing to put him to death. How, as we've heard preachers say, you know, they went from hail him to nail him. Just how quickly things changed there and how it was all according to God's plan for redemption for that to happen. So stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Spread. And God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey, friends, Daniel Minnick here again.